I will start with the psalm which I have chosen from the book of Lamentations in the second chapter, verses 10 to 15, that may be found on page 765 in your pew Bibles. The elders of daughter Zion sit in the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young girls of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out on the ground because of the destruction of my people, because infants and babes faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine? as they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. What can I say for you? To what compare you, O daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter Zion? For vast as the sea is your ruin, who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions, they have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen oracles for you that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? Our Old Testament reading is from the prophet Hosea in the 11th chapter. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went away from me. They kept sacrificing to Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Agma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. Our New Testament reading is from Paul's letter to the Colossians in the third chapter. So if you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but all, Christ is all and in all. From the Gospel of Luke in the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to them, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Joel asked me this morning if I have a word of wisdom this morning. I'm not sure that human wisdom holds up to explain what is happening today. I usually end my sermons with the good news But I think I'm going to start with it today. The good news is that God does not give up on us. God loves us, and divine love is stronger than anything. No matter what we do to ourselves and others, God loves us as a parent loves a child. That's not to say that God doesn't get profoundly disappointed in us. When I was a kid, the worst 
punishment I could endure was my mama saying, I am so disappointed in you. Now, I'm under the impression that today we are not terribly aware of disappointing God, maybe not even concerned about it. Hosea speaks a word of judgment, but also a word of restoration and reconciliation. Hosea maintains that God indeed loves us, and that restoration is still on the table, and it always will be. But God's people have turned to idolatry and injustice, worshiping idols, aligning themselves with an empire that taxed the poor in order to support the wealthy. Likewise, there's a lot of idolatry and injustice in our world today. We have idolized wealth, to which Jesus' parable today speaks directly. We've idolized the Second Amendment. It has become sacrosanct in ways that even human life is not. We've idolized the white race. Even the president has been lifted up in some circles as the second coming of Christ. I'm pretty sure the book of Revelation warns about exactly that. Our world is unjust. We have tax policies that hurt a lot more people than it helps. We have an increasing wealth gap, racial disparity, including a white mass shooter being arrested, and I quote, without incident, whereas a black man selling cigarettes dies in the act of arrest. God loves us, and I am so glad. And yet, there are consequences to our poor behavior. Paul speaks of the kind of things that lead to the destruction of society. Things like lying, deception, obfuscation. Things like angry, obscene speech. Things similar to what we hear coming out of Washington on a daily basis. Things we share on the internet. The insults and threats that are tossed around ironically perpetuating the disunity in the United States of America. Dehumanization of the other based on race, ethnicity, immigration status. I even saw that on one particular popular media outlet, they were ramping up more anti-immigrant rhetoric then took a little break from that to cover the shooting in El Paso, only to come right back and resume the rhetoric. I don't know about you, but the irony of that is not lost on me. Paul would consider such speech that describes people, human beings, as vermin and as an infestation to be that which destroys community and undermines society. Such speech leads to horrible events 
We've had two mass shootings in 24 hours. The more we ramp up such dehumanizing rhetoric, the closer we get to justifying genocide. Already there are those who are taking it in their own hands to affect the eradication of the vermin. The thing about this dehumanizing speech is that it doesn't just dehumanize its targets, it dehumanizes the one who perpetuates it as well. There is no one who maintains human dignity when this is how we speak. This speech destroys community, leads to the breakdown of society, normalizes violence and hatred, which is anathema to our God of love and peace, perpetuates fears and anger to the point where we're not safe, even taking our children back to school shopping, can't go to concert venues, schools, restaurants, even churches. Let's take a moment to repeat the good news. God doesn't give up on us. We are given an alternative. The answer to a human emperor is Christ at the right hand of God. We are given a new life in which we are formed by Jesus' life, by his life, teaching, ministry, death, and resurrection. A life where, as Paul puts it, we think first of the things that are above. We think of God and God's character, God's will, God's love, and that we are God's people, called to show God's love, to pursue the community values that build up rather than tear down, that unite rather than divide. We are called to promote that which allows humanity to thrive in all of its wondrous diversity. We are called to act out in righteousness, in merciful justice, in love and peace, bringing reconciliation rather than division, because that is who God is. And as God's people, we must also display such character. In short, we are called to bring about an end to these transgressions against humanity, to pull down the idols we have dedicated our worship to, to desacralize the Second Amendment and the Almighty Gun, to recognize that white race is merely one manifestation of the variety that God has created. To remember that a human who sows hatred is not the second coming of Christ. We are called to restore merciful justice, to make sure that life is not made harder let alone impossible, because of one's skin color. To pursue a world where the lowly are lifted up and the mighty are brought low. 
the place where the wealthy no longer store up their treasures in barns while their very lives and souls are being demanded of them. A world where everybody pays their fair share. And particularly a world where humanity is preserved. Even for people who look different, even in criminals, even in our enemies, because this is what we are called to do. We are witnesses to God's work in the world. The redemption that has been won in Christ for us all. Witnesses to the reconciliation that God desires. God's people are agents of God's work. The good news is that God loves us and does not give up on us. Glory be to God.